You're listening to the Simple Growth Podcast, the show that helps business owners get their life back. Here's your host, Mike Callahan. Welcome back to the SA Weekly Talk Show here. Mike Callahan with my co-host, Cody, the Millennial Marketer, as he has been dubbed today. <laughs> uh, special guest today, Frank Bork out of Ottawa, Canada. Frank and I go back uh, somewhat recently, but really impressed what Frank is bringing to the landscaping and hardscaping industries across North America, not only Canada, but the U.S., uh, quite a big reach. Um, Frank's been working with a little over 300 landscape and hardscaping companies on a yearly basis and his reach through in-person speaking engagements and well, now with COVID, some virtual events, uh, working and helping out a little over 30,000 lawn care, landscaping and hardscaping companies a year. So Frank, if people haven't met you, heard about you, seen you live at GIE, um, Hardscape Expo, uh, would you mind giving us a little background on your industry, uh, background on how you cut your teeth in the industry as well as uh, now how you've made this transition to helping other business owners and just adding value to their day-to-day -day business operations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks first, Mike, for uh, having me here today. It's such a, a great pleasure to be on your show. And uh, yeah, my story goes back about 22 years ago when uh, I wanted to start my own thing, my own business. Um, I had worked for a company for about five years at that point, five, six years. And um, I had graduated from university I had started a good job with the federal government, but I just wasn't built to work in an office, right? I'm just not that kind of guy. So um, not at that time anyways. So uh, I wanted to start my own business. So I kept doing landscaping, built it up to over about 110 employees at uh, the peak time. And uh, then the economy crashed in 2008, 2009. And we had to reevaluate every single systems and process in our business but in the process of doing this in order to survive, we also uh, realized that there's so many great things that can happen out of an event like that, a challenging event, because you're looking to improve quickly. And so when we did this, it forced us to just become better, uh, more efficient. And when we did this, we actually started having fun with the business. And we actually, within three years, we were making uh, more profit with about just 20% of those employees. So we just had better tools, better systems, and uh, just having more fun. So what led me to become a coach and consultant is over the years, once we did that, people started asking, okay, how did you do it? Can you help me do the same thing in my business? Then the landscape associations and hardscape associations asked me to, to speak and uh, provide some of these examples. And so just getting more and more into it, finally sold my business in 2015 and sold the second business in 2017 to officially just focus on the uh, coaching and consulting. Well, congratulations on both those acquisitions. I know that uh, it can be a little crazy as my own experience with that, but um, I can definitely say that uh, hard times definitely lend us to improve and take a look inward and actually create those efficiencies and very similar story right around the same time uh, in my lawn care landscape company that uh, we had to make similar changes uh, when that economy hit. Um, so it was pretty interesting. Strategically, we were forced to change. And obviously, if you make it through those tough times and those trenches, things obviously come out a lot better at the end. Uh, thing we, If you're interested, or basically what we're looking at is it's about mid-year right now in most lawn care and landscape companies, whether you're in Canada, the U.S., 
north south it's pretty much midpoint of the season right now so uh frank you've been obviously kind enough to talk about mid-year strategic review and things we should be looking at in our business in a mid-year strategic review uh first yeah. thing that pops into my mind when we do a strategic review is really probably right from the top down is our leadership and our business so curious yeah. uh if you can kind of give us some insight on leadership and the mid-year strategic review yeah absolutely i think mike this is one of the most important things that Sometimes when we run a business, we're busy being busy. And as the business owner or the leader or one of the leaders, we often get distracted because at the beginning of the year, we have all these great intentions, but it's so easy to get distracted. So the point of a mid-year review and as a coach or a consultant, my role is to keep my clients uh, focused and um, kind of on par doing the right things at the right time. So the mid-year review, what we do is we really take a look at the seven core pillars of a business so for starting with uh, the leadership that's my first one so leadership your role as a leader you have to ask yourself uh the question the following well these following questions is are you um are you identifying basically providing uh the necessary tools to your team are you empowering your leaders are you protecting the culture of your company are you um, creating a positive culture in your company? So these are all some of the questions that you can ask yourself as the leader, the person on top, um, just because looking from the outside, sometimes you start realizing, geez, I kind of slipped. I've been focused more on the numbers maybe for the business, but I haven't really focused on providing adequate uh, care or attention or even support to my leaders. Because really, as the leader, that's the main, main role. It, it is to identify, equip, and empower your people. So that would be like the main, the big first question to ask yourself as a leader. Are you doing these things? Interesting. So basically, if I'm hearing you right, Frank, is it's more of setting the strategic vision and mission of the business yeah. and making sure that that's resonating through the culture on a daily and monthly and weekly basis. And um mm -hmm some of that day-to-day -day minutia will get us away from that. So st strategically as that mid-year review, you're kind of looking at is the leadership setting that vision, mission, and things we're looking at and that culture in there, um, which kind of leads me into the next question is uh, once we've tackled that leadership there, are we looking into things such as operations? Um, that would probably be the next logical step uh, from our pre-conversation. Yeah, absolutely. When we take a look at operations, because I'm huge on uh, operations efficiency, improving operation systems, but really you're looking at your productivity and your efficiency. So the amount of work you can get done with the people you have and, and the, I guess the, the, how you're equipped and also how fast can you do that work? So going back to your KPIs, are you tracking some of these numbers such as um, the estimated versus actual time spent on site? So maybe you're you're meaning to your pricing job a certain way, you have to go back after the job's completed and taking a look at, okay, did we meet our goal on this job? Are we making money or are we losing money, right? I think it's crucial and I'm really surprised by the amount of, I mean, people are well-intended, they, they, they wanna succeed, but this is so simple and now it's almost, uh, it's just because it takes a little bit of time that people don't do it. But by just going back and taking a look at the estimated versus actual hours on jobs, and also a good KPI to keep track is the revenue per man hour. So I do this, let's say on a monthly basis, but you could do it quarterly, 
Ideally, it would be at least quarterly. But monthly is kind of cool because if you take a look at, let's say, the total amount of revenue in that month, you divide it by the, the amount, the total amount of hours uh, built out, then it come, it brings you a number. So let's say you've produced $100,000 worth of work in a month and you build out 1,000 hours. That's $100 per, uh, per man. Um, basically, the, the revenue per man hour is $100. But let's say the next month, you do the same math and you're at 150. Well, you notice something went differently. You're obviously doing something that's improving the amount of revenue you can make in the same amount of time. So it, it gives you a measure. So on average, let's say you start noticing that your company, uh, you do that for different divisions. You start realizing that uh, a certain division, let's say your construction division can do 150. Your uh, lawn care division is doing 100, maybe 100. But maybe that's good for that division. If you start keeping track of different divisions and their revenue per man hour, you're starting to notice when things go down or things go up. And it's an easy measure that you can bring back to your, your staff and say, hey, listen, we're doing great. We're staying on par or we're improving. Or maybe we dropped it a little bit last month. What happened? You can take a look at uh, all these factors, right? So these are easy things that you can track for your helping out with productivity and efficiency tracking. And I love you brought that up as a certified advisor and working with several hundred clients myself. One of the things that shocked me, especially when I first got into this was a lot of companies have the mindset, well, it'll just come out in the wash. Like we, we've done the estimate, we've done the work, we've gone past it, especially if it's like a design build job or a one-time job, they never go back to actually look at that. Well, most don't. Um, and, and the fact that you, the KPI, the key performance indicators, Frank, those are big, big things at mid-season that companies, at least in my opinion, agree with you, need to be looking at and have some transparencies. Like I, like you see that um, you're having and reporting back to your team for accountability is huge. Um, so one of the things that we see at least um, in landscape maintenance for sure, I've seen it in my company several times, is when we were tracking these KPIs, we found that our non-billable time far as mobilization, or I like to call it the uh, the Wendy's Frosty effect, when the guys are driving halfway across town to get the Frosty uh, while they're supposed to be at the job um, or extended lunch hours. Is there any, um, I guess suggestions or things you would recommend as an expert is uh, are, are we just tracking the time on the job sites or is there certain things we need to be looking at for that non-billable mobilization or picking up materials? How does that play into the actual KPI of that monthly or quarterly? Um, well, I love that you mentioned that because I call, uh, I call basically getting rid of waste or like extra weight that you're carrying Every company, I mean, there's no, there's not a perfect company out there that doesn't waste any time. But like you said, there's stuff that's not billable that your employees have to understand. We can't build this out. So the more of it that we have in our business, the worse it is for the business. And I always give out this example to oftentimes crew foremans because it's a big eye opener for them. When they're looking at, let's say, uh, when I ask them, how much do you think it costs the company when we waste an hour for your crew. So let's say we take an hour of uh, a crew of three guys. They say, usually this is the math in their, in their mind. They do, well, maybe this guy makes $15 an hour. This guy makes 20 and this guy makes 20. So probably the company loses 60 bucks in that hour. And I tell them, no, like the very minimum, usually let's say the billable rate for every employee is $50 an hour. That's just an average because construction could be way more. And it's just an average, but let's say we just take 50 as a low average. Um, so $50 per hour for three guys. You waste one hour per week or per day sometimes. Um, 
100, uh, so $50 per hour per guy is $150 and you're, you're, you've still lost that hour. So you're not making up those, that time you can't make it up. And in order to make up for that money, you have to work at least another hour. So you're up to like $300 just for that. It's basically missed. It's, it's revenue that you're not getting back, right? It's an opportunity. It's a missed opportunity. And the more missed opportunity you have, well, that really affects not only the efficiency of the business, but it affects the potential revenue that the business can make and how much every crew can make. So when I run that down and I, I tell them basically one hour a week uh, is almost five, six minutes per day. So if, if everyone's wasting five to six minutes per day, that's $300, a, a, let's say, um, a week. It's $1,200 a month. It's over $15,000 a year. That's just for five minutes a day wasted. So imagine when you're wasting an hour. Imagine when you're wasting two hours a day, how much money that represents for potential revenue that the company could make. And in exchange, you can pay your employees more. You can buy better tools when that money comes back into the company. So that's the kind of stuff we want to start tracking. So waste like waste could be, we've noticed that companies that fuel up in the, in the, um, in the morning are less efficient than companies that fuel up in the afternoon because in the afternoon they want to go home, right? Oh yeah. In the afternoon they're like, man, let's go home, let's get this done. So we've noticed that companies actually could pay a good chunk of their fuel uh, just by fueling up in the morning because of the inefficiency that that creates for the whole crew. Because usually you see a, a crew stopping at the gas station, they get a sandwich, they get the coffee. Uh, something that would take five minutes takes about 25 minutes. You've got three people in the truck. So just taking a look at your business where time is spent doing stuff that you can't bill out to the client, super important. Huge, great advice. Um, and as we're talking about having these conversations with these guys and girls on these teams, um, kind of brings up the thought of HR. And I'm assuming mid-season, we want to take a look at our HR and our HR process. Yeah, HR is... It's basically, I call it uh, the care of the company. HR is there to make sure that the employees, that you have the right amount of employees, you are taking care of employees. And I also like when HR uh, assesses not only, you know, do we have enough employees? Are they happy? But also, okay, where do we stand? Where's the need? Like, we're able to project a bit more in the future and take a look at where are we going as a company? Um, are we growing in the right direction? Do we have the right people for the services that we offer? Um, do we profile our candidates the right way? If you're hiring everyone based on whether they look good or not good at the interview, you're probably missing out. But if you have key factors that you're measuring in terms of, okay, for this leadership role, I need someone who's got a good character and we use different tools for this, uh, for this. Uh, like DISC and, and uh, the predictive index and all these things, just tools that take five to 10 minutes, but gives you so much information on the person and how they are hardwired as a person, what they like doing, what they don't like doing. So just using simple tools like that and systems in the process of hiring, but also HR, what we take a look at when we want at the mid-year is to say, okay, is your system automated? Are you always hiring? Are you always looking? Are you always marketing like you market to your clients? Or are you just when you, you're, you're missing one person, you go out and try to find that person, right? And how hard is that peak season? You start losing key, per, key people sometimes at the peak time, 
And then you start looking for people. Everyone's looking for people. So your chances become very, very slim of finding the right fit, right? So mid-year, we take a look at, okay, who do you have? Who do you not have? And what do you have as needs as a company for um, leadership, uh, labor, and where are you going this year? How can you improve that? Awesome. Cody, any, any thoughts or questions up to this point? Uh, I know obviously you're over there looking good. So obviously you'd probably fly right past that disassessment with the, uh, the new look of the millennial marketer over there. But uh, any thoughts for Frank Fars up to this point, comments, questions, um, before we really dive into the rest of the meat, to, meat and potatoes of this conversation? So tell us a little bit about, I know that it's going to like vary because it's going to be the culture of each company and what position you're hiring for. But do you feel comfortable kind of like explaining the disc profile a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you have different types of personalities and based on some people are, are dominant, some people are, you know, there's the important part is just realizing because actually my background is psychology. I studied psychology in university and um, I thought I was going to be doing group therapy for the rest of my life. And the first year going in and I'm like, oh, no, I can't do this. So I actually, I got my first job as a group therapist for inmates. Right. And that's <laughs> how I dedicated myself to the landscape industry because it just wasn't for me. But uh, but what I've learned about people is that everyone's wired a different way, but you can kind of profile people in certain categories. There's not like a perfect one, but sometimes people have dominant traits, uh, stuff that that's just basically the first year, the first few years of their lives, they're kind of defined by by certain things. But basically some people are, um, I mean, some people are very social. Some are more introverted. Some people uh, like to lead people. Some people kind of stay back. They don't want to give, be given any responsibilities. They they. They feel too much pressure. They're, they're, they don't feel comfortable with that. Some people strive with this. And just knowing a bit more of the traits from people, you're able to actually motivate them. So if you know someone is motivated by um, uh, lead, leading teams, then you can start progressively putting them in position that gives them that drive. If you know that someone is more reserved and more intellectual and they're more like on the logical side, uh, if you're a very creative person, you're all over the place. You know that when you're talking to this person, you have to make it logical for them. You have to make it you go back to the basics with this person. You explain all the reasons uh, and then they respond a lot better to you. So having these tools help you to manage people better, help you motivate people uh, and help them keep stay engaged with your company and your employees because you're talking to them, leading them in a way that they like to be led and, and talk to. So uh, really these tools are there to help you better manage your people. Right. Awesome. And one thing uh, Frankie mentioned is, is constantly recruiting. That's something that comes up constantly here on the SA weekly talk show, uh, kind of done by Jonathan Matoshnik of the lawn care millionaire YouTube series is building or stacking the virtual bench. So constantly going out and hiring and getting that basically that glorified qualified labor pool. So if you start looking for that individual, when you need them, obviously it's too late. So I'm glad you brought that up because that's something, especially July and August, especially the lawn care season, like we're getting burned out, we're tired. Uh, we're not doing the things we always continually do to be successful. And I feel like labor is one of them, especially right now in the States with the, basically we'll call it the $600 a week unemployment bonus. Uh, the labor market right now is, it, it's a real tough place because a lot of people don't want to come back to work. 
Uh, we'll see here in the next few days if that $600 a month gets extended or not. But if you're watching this now in the States, especially, this could be interesting because there hopefully could be a potential influx of employees in that market, maybe get pretty competitive. So uh, if you're taking Frank's advice, this may be a good time to start getting those help wanted ads out and start really stacking that virtual bench, uh, as Jonathan calls it. Um, next thing is, is we've kind of taken that leadership, the operations, the HR. So the kind of the next thing that comes to mind is maybe marketing. That's something we look at usually traditionally in the early months of a lawn care landscape company. We go out and it's always very seasonal. So we're pushing out all the dollars out and we're trying to get all those jobs up front. At this point, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have some assumption here, Frank, that maybe we maybe will have a six month year in review. But kind of like I said, with the labor, most companies, at least especially my competitors in my local market when we were in the uh, lawn and landscape and snow removal industry, this is when companies traditionally take their foot off the gas pedal and they think mm -hmm. all is good. But really, the last three or four months of the season is where you start putting bottom line profits because you've recovered all that overhead and it's really mm -hmm. going to the bottom line. So uh, does marketing come into part of that mid-year strategic review and how is that approached? Well, one of the things that I've noticed uh, with my clients, so I did a poll with... Uh, just over 300 companies and I asked them how they were doing. This is during COVID and because this is a great time to learn because we're getting a lot of information, right? From what can go wrong, will go wrong. Oftentimes when there's a crisis, right? So uh, in this case, we, we asked our uh, fellow landscape professionals to say, okay, what are you struggling with? And we had two total opposites. People, I found that people who had their systems automated, so they had marketing schedules, they had planned their marketing for the year, they had that kind of autopilot, so they were sending regularly emails to, uh, as reminders to their clients, they were staying in touch with their clients, they were trying to encourage their clients to uh, uh, write reviews on them, to, to provide referrals, uh, testimonials. Those companies who are proactive uh, did not run out of work or they, they were uh, their clients felt very compelled to stay with these companies because they stayed in touch, right? So even in a crisis, they know my uh, landscaper is there. He is in business. He's, he's consistent. I can rely on him. And I don't have to worry that he won't be there in two weeks, one month or six months, right? So very, very, a big, I mean, to me, it was a big aha moment, not only for me, but to everyone else. I, I know that automation works with marketing. I know that we should be marketing all year round and not just when we run out of jobs. But oftentimes, how many times, Mike, uh, did do we get comfortable when we're busy to stop marketing, right? We're like, oh, we're good. Um, you know, I get, I heard many contractors in the past say, uh, I get all my all my work by referrals. I don't even need to market. And I'm like, word of mouth, right? That's it. I'm good. I'm good. But then a crisis hits like this one. And all of a sudden you start panicking because like, I don't know any other techniques. But when you have stuff on uh, automation and you understand that marketing is not only good for finding jobs, but it's your brand. If people identify your brand to one of the best or one of the, most out there and they recognize your brand is going to be good all over in good times and not so good times. So this is a, it was a great lesson for many of uh, my clients and uh, just a big, I mean, it was, it was huge for us to, to see that as, as much as we did in the last few months. Yeah. And, and I guess, Oh, go ahead, Cody. If it, 
takes eight to 10 touches to close the, the average sale and you're waiting until like work starts to dry up, you're introducing this window of I've got to get these eight to 10 touches to start getting more work and then it has to get scheduled. Like you're creating a gap of no money. Yeah, you're so right. I mean, some people, they start panicking with those eight to 10 touches and they, do it, they even do too much of it um, at the wrong time, right? So if you are not top of mind year round, I think it's really just you're missing out on an opportunity. And I guess the big thing, Mike, and is, I mean, you do that in your company, you help companies uh, put that on autopilot, right? Just basically um, doing the right things at the right time, but consistently. I think that's so huge. I think at the beginning of the year, oftentimes we focus more on, um, on intensity. We were very intense. We're like, oh, we're going out there. We're going to pump. We're going to do a lot of, a lot of work, uh, get as much done as we can. But really the one who's consistent usually wins because the one who's so intense about it just in certain times usually misses out on other times or he gets tired and then focuses on the wrong actions at the wrong time. So. Yeah. And I couldn't agree with you more. And I think one of the keys to success is finding at least four, probably five, uh, key points in the season. So obviously the springtime is very, that's focused. Everybody's doing that. But, uh, right now to keep it, keep it relatable in the time of the season, uh, depending where you're at in the U.S. or Canada, we'll be coming up on our fall our fall season. So aeration and overseeing is a big one. Holiday lights. What are those seasonal upsells that we can time? And Frank, you're right. You don't want to hit it head on. You want to slowly go through some nurture and some education, frame yourself as the expert. And then when those first weeds pop or it's time to go thicken that lawn up and aerate it, you're top of frame of mind. So you're there. So when they're going to look for it, you're ready to there. And they're like, oh, look, there's an email. I click this button, I can request a free estimate, or maybe there's property specific pricing where they just click and sign up. Uh, but that I think is, is, is the, the key. One of the guys in our ecosystem that does it really well, Frank, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Garrett Matthews of Matthews uh, Lawn and Pest. He's out of uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, but as of now, I believe he's up to four years and he hasn't missed a single day of organic content. If people are watching what organic content is, literally he goes on Facebook, it's not a paid ad and he literally gets on there and, and, and talks about a seasonal issue, educates the consumer how to tackle it themselves as a professional would. And when they see that, he is top of frame of mind. So when they have pest control or fire ants or whatever that is, um, they're picking up and calling Matthew's landscape because he is there and he is the expert in that local town and city. So it's really, um, it just speaks exactly what you're talking about, Frank. And now, like, now we've got kind of this marketing machine dialed in um, I know a lot of times when companies finally get their marketing plan for the 12 months dialed out, they go, holy cow, you know, maybe we really don't have enough money to scale for an extra two, 300 clients this year. Cause now we've been able to back it down for each marketing source and how many pieces of, of marketing material we need to get out. Or maybe they're like, wow, I, I can actually, I've got more extra money in the budget to actually double down on the marketing. We saw a lot of people um, that are winning right now. And I'm curious if you're seeing this too, Frank, the people that doubled down on their advertising when that ad spent across Google and Facebook shrunk during the, the COVID crisis, people were getting double or triple the effect for the same amount of money or even less. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty impressive, but kind of getting around that after marketing, um, I'm assuming mid-year review has got to be somewhere around your financials. Yeah, absolutely. That's when COVID hit, <laughs> Everyone was asking, should I cut into my budget for marketing? And I basically, as soon as I was asked that question is, unless you're running out of money, like 
right now, if you have money, you want people to hire you when they can. And so make sure you, you put some money aside. But what I've noticed, and there was a poll a few years ago to try to get an estimate on how many companies don't run with a budget or how many run with a budget. And it was found that over 90% of companies out there in landscaping do not have a budget. So a budget that identifies, you know, the, not only the, let's say your, your, your labor and your materials and, and your cost of um, doing business, but like your overhead people that for companies that don't know their overhead, they, they can really never figure out how much profit they make because in their minds, they're thinking gross profit. Oh, after I pay my labor, my materials, um, these things, well, then I'm, I'm left with this amount of money and it's mine or the company's. But really, when you take out the overhead, which is all the costs that you can't bill out to the client, right? Like the office and um, let's say the marketing, you can't li literally put that on your quote for the client, say, oh, my shop, you know, my shop pools, my secretary, you can't put these things on that quote. So all these things that you can't put there, uh, it's actually a cost of the business becomes overhead. So when you take the overhead overhead out of the gross profit, you're left with a net profit. And so when people tell me I'm my company's almost 40% in profits, I know that they're forgetting the big detail, which is usually overhead. And we find that information by doing a budget, by looking at all the uh, projections of what the company is going to get for revenue and all the costs to the company. We break it down and we also take a look at the equipment, all these details, but there's simple tools out there, free tools to help companies do this. When they have their budget, they can really see where the money's going and mid-year, they can really reassess. Okay, are we spending more? Like how are we doing with expenses? How are we doing with um, just overall um, sales? Um, how are we doing with the budget? Are we staying on track? Are we spending more than we should be? And so we take a look at that. And when we when when we had COVID hit in March, we did almost three budgets for every company because we were doing the the um, the, the the best case scenario, the mid range scenario, and the worst case scenario in case that the year wouldn't go as planned. But at least these companies they would know okay what can we do if if things really start getting um, challenging as a company we know where to cut in our budget we know what to do we're not in a panic right. So uh, this was very empowering for clients, contractors, business owners, looking at their business in a different way. And so I think when it comes to financials, it's going back to that budget, making sure you have a budget, taking a look if you're on track with the goals that you have for your, your business. And I love you mentioned that. That was one thing that was pretty instrumental in, in my business as well as having a, a baseline, a middle of the road and a stretch uh, even before the pandemic. But it, that is, it's eye-opening and, and if things pivot, like maybe gas prices one year almost doubled. Like, well, that, that's not, you know, that's not traditionally in your budget, but then that affects things. So how can you pivot and actually, you know, cut other areas because you can't control the cost of gasoline. So um, really interesting that, that you have those. Another thing that is always my favorite as well, I'm making a lot of money because I've got money in the bank. Yeah. So the perceived not, the method, you know, ideology, like, hey, if I got money in the bank, we've got to be making money because there's money in the bank. Um, and I, I've told the story before, uh, Cody's probably sure, surely heard it, but um, right after, I mean, it, it's scary. Um, so I recommend the book Profit First by Mike Michalowicz. Uh, Mike has been on here several times. Um, but, you know, after my divorce, I got back into becoming a nightclub DJ. And I knew if I had at least $100,000 of li liquid working capital in the operating expense account for my business, 
traditionally that was about appropriate, but our receivables had been so good. The girls in the office had figured out how to get those bills in quicker that by the time we hit November, December, I wasn't running my um, weekly numbers like I always had in the past because it was basically a, a rough spot in my life after a divorce. And, um, you know, basically by the time November, December hit, we were upset on $70,000, Frank. And I was like, what yeah. happened? We had $100,000 in the bank. We should have been good. Um, so I think that's, a, you know, if you're watching this, it, we all get into those scenarios at some point. Um, and I think Frank's actually just, he really is, he's just nailing it. So um, if you're taking some notes from this essay weekly, a lot, a lot of takeaways up to this point, but man, the financials, if you're not running those numbers and you're, you're not, especially during the uncertain times of COVID, having that base middle line and stretch um, and be able to pivot and have those numbers for different scenarios as it goes, because who knows, COVID could kick back in full swing again in the fall. We could be you know, working on our baseline numbers, but at least you got those numbers, you know how to pivot that way. Mm -hmm. So yeah. um, as we're diving in, as we're bringing it home here, Frank, uh, sales, a lot of times you talk about, you like to look at sales mid, uh, mid season in a strategic review. What about sales do you actually look at in that mid season strategic review? Yeah, so sales is an interesting um, part of the business in terms of maybe at the beginning of the year, we see all these sales coming up, we're excited, we're pumped, and then we start doing the work. We forget the important things like taking a look at the pipeline. What do we have coming up? Um, and for some companies, it's it's not a problem. They stay busy year round. But in uncertain times like this, it's really crucial to take a look at the funnel. What do you have in the pipeline? What's coming up? Which clients could you kind of, uh, what deals could you close that's not that are not closed? How many sales do you actually have? Are you on target? Taking a look at those KPIs, are we um, doing as much work as we're selling for that month? Are we still selling as much every month as we have projected? What's coming up? So these are all the things that you really have to take a, a deep look into, especially mid-year, because you don't want to finish. You want to finish strong. No matter what, you want to finish strong and you want to take advantage of the right time. So in many places like Canada or the, I guess, northeastern part of for sure, or even just the northern part of the U.S., you're stuck with winter or fall. And so it gets cold and you can't do all the work. You can't, uh, you can't slow down in that, but it usually slows you down. The weather slows you down. So you have to try to make the best of these months like August and September, October, November, that stretch is really important. So sales, going back to the sales, and also taking a look at your sales, making sure that you're selling the jobs that you're most profitable on. So sometimes I hear business owners say, oh man, I have so many jobs, I'm I'm overwhelmed, I'm not even doing the quoting anymore. And I tell them, whoa, 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 back up. Like, if you know you're making more money, let's say on, I'm just you know using an example, let's say construction. Let's say your crew on construction is super efficient, you make a lot of profit and you know you don't make any profit on, let's say, um, custom work. Because some construction companies that I, I noticed, they're really good, let's say, at pavers and retaining walls. They make their most money when they're doing those. And all of a sudden, they see this custom job and they're like getting really excited. I'm like, is that the job you want at the end of the year, the job that you don't even know if you're going to make money on? Because those custom jobs, when you don't track things properly, they can be very, I mean, they can be detrimental to your business. You can lose all your profit of the year on one job because you don't really know how you should be pricing that job because everything is new, everything's custom, unless you're pricing per hour, right? Mm -hmm. um, labor and materials, it's hard to 
to work on those jobs. So finding out what kind of sales you're the most efficient at doing, what kind of work, and trying to sell that work, trying to close more of those jobs at the end of the year where you know you're more you're more profitable with those jobs. Interesting. And it almost seems like they're building foundational, the way you're building these out. So we're probably going back to our KPIs. We need good yeah. data in, so we got good data out. We can run those production reports and profit loss, dollar per man hour for revenue to make mm -hmm. sure that, hey, this is um, our, our profit center. So maybe it's just lawn mowing and fertilization. Maybe it's design build. Uh, custom work. Some people make it work, but I mean, you, you didn't mention it, but then you've got change orders or work order changes, uh, which can be a whole nother disaster. And if you don't know how to, to price those specifically and you're not dealing with those. So I love the fact that you're kind of saying, let's, let's structure those sales, especially the second half of the year to take the risk out of it and double down on those profits. Um, kind of a final question around sales. Oh, Frank, is there a, is a, is there a weekly cadence, a quarterly cadence that we should be using in our, our service business to, um, home down on those sales. So like the actual versus budget, is there a certain rhythm or cadence that you recommend to track those? Well, I like business owners to always have a pulse on the business. So like having some kind of a metric, um, I always tell them, you know, if you don't, you, if you're not tracking it, if you're not measuring it, you can't manage it. Right. So just having some kind of a measure that on a weekly basis, you can go back to and say, okay, we're on par for this week. You know, we've gotten this much work done. We're selling this much work. Yeah, things are, but at the very minimum, if you want to stay, keep it very basic, because sometimes the comment I get is, oh, it's getting too complicated. There's too many things to track. All right, okay, let's scale it down. Make sure you at least do it on a monthly basis, right? Because you want to track, okay, my month of July, does it look like July last year? Is it better? Is it worse? Uh, again, I got to have a pulse on um, if things are getting better or things should improve. And so, you can easily take a look if you're keeping track of it on a monthly basis. It's nice because year after year, you can go back and say, well, this month we did so much money or we sold so much, so many jobs. And so I like monthly. I like we. I, I like that the business owner can provide feedback on a weekly basis to the team because that's important for the sales team if you have a bigger team to keep them motivated and say, hey, listen, we did great last week. Let's go out and do this this week. Like you can use that as a motivator. But uh, at the very, very least, if you're a very small company, uh, I mean, the very minimum is on a quarterly basis, just to make sure that you're, you're still on track, uh, very important, because I see some people just wait till the end of the year to take a look at their numbers, and it's not enough. Awesome. And I love the historical benchmark. So year after year, you've got a, a, a budget, uh, historical benchmark, and maybe you can use that as a percentage based on projected growth and things that you're doing there. So that, that's great, great advice. Um, so obviously I know you've got a very compressed schedule and I really appreciate you joining us here, uh, but to bring it home, one of the things we talked before they actually went live was technology and communication. Um, and that was kind of the last piece that you recommend mid-year to, to look at that strategic review. So would you mind kind of giving us some insight of uh, the technology communication um, look that you look at in, internally in, in businesses about mid-year? Well, what I've noticed, and this is what happened to me back in 2008, 2009, when the economy crashed, I had to go from 110 employees to about 20. And I hired coaches, I hired mentors, I basically put my money on people that knew more than me at that time. And I said, okay, how can I survive in this industry uh, with obviously uh, less people and I feel like I had less resources. And when one of my mentors said, listen, the good news is there's technology out there and with technology, you will have the biggest leverage. Um, 
And this is what you have to do as a business owner is always try to see what you can leverage that will make your job easier, better, and faster. So when I started using technology and I started using apps and I started using uh, my website and I started using automation, something that where people can book jobs without me having to serve them every single part of the process. Uh, when I, I need to track information from my team and my team can just uh, put this information and it, they don't have to call me to give me that information. They can just put it in the system. The system tracks it. When I can let the client know that we're coming because uh, not very many companies do that, but for the companies that do take that extra time and but they have a process in place, they have a system in place, they even have a piece of technology that does it for them. And if I have a piece of technology that keeps track with my clients, makes, makes them feel important by saying, hey, we thought of you, uh, you know, just keeping in touch with my clients. We've noticed that we were keeping more clients because we were staying in touch with them. They were buying more from us. It's much easier to get more jobs of existing clients than having to find new clients. So when you have a system that takes care of that for you, that's on autopilot, like I would say, well then this is what makes your business uh, easier to operate, more fun to operate, and you get more data. All these measurements and KPIs we're talking about, you get that a lot easier when it's technology taking care of it for you. So for people that are not um, familiar with what type of technology are, are out there, I mean, obviously, Service Autopilot is a great, great, great resource. You, Mike, you uh, focus on helping clients automate their processes, and I do as well. So part of my job is finding the best systems, the best process, and to help contractors get more profit and more efficiency in their business. So technology, good communication. Communication is improved with better technology. So this is why I put them into the same basket. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. I really appreciate you spending some time with us and, and just shedding some light on what we should be doing mid-year in our service business, whether it's lawn care or even home cleaning. This is really is applicable to just about any service business if you're watching. So don't think this is applicable to just lawn care, hardscaping, um, working with some of the top consultants in the cleaning industry as well, such as Debbie Sardone. And these right. are um, not identical, very similar to what we're seeing in the other industries. So if you're watching this and you're in a different industry, um, you know, I think Frank's got some great takeaways that can be used in your mid-year strategic review that really should be happening right now. So Frank, once again, Cody, um, any closing thoughts here as we wrap it up? I just want to thank Frank for your time. It is good to get perspective from somebody, uh, one of our neighbors to the north. So thank you so much for, for hopping on with us. Well, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And, and Mike, I, I love that you mentioned that this is good for any business in the home service industry, right? Anyone, any contractor taking care of, uh, of jobs related to um, the home service industry. So, Yeah, and I know that uh, you and Brandon Vaughn there had uh, one heck of an event, the home service summit uh, that was live. Uh, congratulations, guys. Just broke a Guinness Book record of, uh, was it 50,000 viewers? Um, so really, really phenomenal. Um, what you, you and Brandon had done there and just giving valuable information to the service industry as a whole. Um, so obviously Frank just isn't speaking from a point of landscaping, hardscaping, but very applicable to any service business. So uh, just want to thank you again, Frank, if people want to reach out to you as far as your business coaching, consulting or public speaking, uh, probably virtual now, but hopefully uh, in person, I, I find you somewhere in person on a stage together um, in the near future. Uh, what's the best way for somebody to reach out to you if they wanted to uh, contact you? 
Yeah, for sure. So my website is frankbork.com. So Bork is spelled B-O-U-R-Q-U-E. And uh, they can sign up even for a free 20 minutes consultation if they just want to get back on track, if they want to work on this strategic plan we've talked about today, you know, feel free to uh, book something on my schedule and uh, we'll get in touch. Awesome. Hopefully we get to uh, see you in person soon as things kind of uh, lighten up here. Um, and if not, we'll definitely see you on a virtual stage sooner than later for sure. So uh, thanks again, Frank. Cody, SA Weekly Talk Show next Friday. Brian Stearman of Lawn Care Marketing Mechanic is going to be live with us. Uh, week after that, we are going to have Martha Woodward. And hopefully the week after that, Lisa Marino of the SA Marketing Team is going to be dropping some knowledge bombs on us. So stay in tune. We've got three, four weeks of action-packed knowledge to go out and dominate your local competition while out learning them here on the SA Weekly Talk Show. 1 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Central. We'll see you again next Friday, SA Weekly Talk Show. Mike Callahan, Cody, the Millennial Marketer, and uh, our special guest, Frank Bork. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. If you like this show, you might want to check out our resources at www.startsimplegrowth.com. While you're there, enter to win an estimator chatbot. Mike Callahan is available for private coaching.